A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you have joined me today. have a uh, good show coming up for you here. Uh, We're going to be talking about, again, the increase in gun sales. You know, yesterday we kind of broke down some of the the detailed figures within the August Knicks checks. Um, Today we're going to take a little bit different approach to the record high gun sales because I ran across the goofiest editorial that I have seen this year in a year that has been full of goofy editorials. This from the, uh, I believe this is from the Charlotte, North Carolina uh, newspaper, the uh, News and Observer. You ready for this headline? Check this out. Donald Trump's fake fear is having a real effect on North Carolina gun sales. Yeah, they are blaming the rise in gun sales on Donald Trump peddling fake fear. Let's take a look at the uh, editorial, shall we? Uh, firearm sales, they say, surged when the pandemic forced a shutdown in March. Now sales are rising again. Okay, so we can actually stop right there. Sales aren't rising again. Sales have continued to rise. We've had record-setting months every month. Since August, or excuse me, since March. Uh, March was the busiest March in Nick's history. April, the busiest April in Nick's history. May, June, July, August. Same thing. So right from the very sentence, the very first sentence from this editorial, the uh, editorial board of the Charlotte News and Observer have their facts wrong. All right. Now they say sales rising again. As President Trump warns of U.S. cities being overrun by looting mobs while police are left helpless to respond for a lack of funding and respect, Trump's appeal to fear is a desperate fiction peddled by a trailing candidate who wants to shift the subject from his abject failure to respond to the pandemic, but it's having an effect that's as real as a bullet. So this seems to be like part of a theme. Um, And I noticed this going back today's Thursday, at least Tuesday of this week. I've seen a number of media figures. Uh, The first one I saw was actually a CNN correspondent who was sent to Portland by his network to cover the protests and the unrest and the violence. And he's posting pictures on Twitter about, uh, you know, oh, my gosh, it's a beautiful morning here. There's nothing going on. I'm sitting here in a park eating a breakfast burrito. Since then, uh, Paul Krugman of the New York Times has done something similar. Oh, I went for a run in New York City. It was hard to avoid all those mobs. Sarcasm. You know, ignoring the fact that we got two things happening right now. In cities like New York, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, last night. Uh, there were uh, some disturbances, uh, pepper balls deployed in Rochester, New York, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, obviously. There, there are cities where mobs are looting and rioting and destroying things. That, that really is happening. It's not a figment of Donald Trump's imagination. And every day seems to bring a, a new city that is uh, under siege, or at least portions of that city which are under siege. Then you have what I call the street crime. I, I, I classify what we just talked about as political violence. Then you've got the street violence. So again, in cities like Seattle, Chicago, New York, 
Philadelphia, Detroit, and a lot of other cities, violent crime is way up this year. In Chicago, they just passed 500 homicides for the year. This time, August of 2019, there were about 333 homicides. Yeah. New York looking at the deadliest year in at least 20 years. Shootings up uh, in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, where they're going to have 300 homicides for the, I believe this will be the fifth year in a row, maybe the sixth year in a row. Uh, Philadelphia, violent crime, way up. Seattle, Washington, shootings up over what they were last year. Denver, violent crime continues to rise. The editorial board of the uh, Charlotte News and Observer, again, wants to pretend that none of these things are happening and that none of these things are having an impact on Americans across the country who want to be able to protect themselves and their families. Instead, again, all of this is just fear-mongering fiction, they say, on the part of Donald Trump. They go on to say this is another bad turn in a terrible year. More Americans buying firearms. More guns won't make people safer, they say. It will put them at a greater risk of an accidental shooting, a child finding a gun, a suicide, or a family fight ending in gunfire. And the risk they write is especially great for new gun owners unfamiliar with how to handle or store a gun. Well, there are things, you know, that you can do to alleviate that. You can, um, first of all, allow ranges to be open so that folks can get firearms training. Unfortunately, in a number of states, we've seen continued restrictions on range capacity. We talked with Tony Simon from Diversity Shoot earlier this week. New Jersey is still operating at 25% capacity for indoor ranges right now. Uh, New York City, I don't even know if New York City has uh, allowed their ranges to reopen. I know that they're reopening uh, museums and things of that nature, and ranges tend to fall under the indoor amusement category. But, uh, you know, de Blasio may carve out uh, gun ranges in New York City. Education and training is the key. What the Charlotte News Observer would rather have, however, is a disarmed society. Uh, They continue, Trump should be discouraging people from putting themselves and their loved ones at risk. Instead, he's defending a 17-year-old with a military-style rifle who went to Kenosha, Wisconsin to defend property against vandalism by protesters. He ended up shooting three people, killing two. He faces multiple homicide charges. That is a rather one-sided way of talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Yes, Rittenhouse has been charged with two counts of murder, as well as a a third count of aggravated assault for shooting a third individual. But even, we've talked about this on the program before, I'm not going to get into it again. Go and read the charging documents by prosecutors and, and find where Kyle Rittenhouse was actually the aggressor in any of these cases. Now, we talked a little bit, I think we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's program. I know I wrote about this at uh, Bearing Arms. I've got my concerns with uh, how Rittenhouse's uh, defense team are handling things at the moment. Um, but I think how Rittenhouse actually does have a good case of self-defense, given that even prosecutors cannot portray Kyle Rittenhouse as the initial aggressor in these incidents. Rittenhouse, according to prosecutors, was walking down the street When uh, this guy, Joseph Rosenbaum, came up to him, started yelling at him, started Rittenhouse trying to walk away. Then he starts running away with Rosenbaum in pursuit. Others join in. Now, the prosecuting uh, uh, charging documents don't talk about this particular incident. But if you watch the New York Times timeline that they've put together, you can see one of those pursuing Kyle Rittenhouse fire a handgun into the air about a second or so before Rosenbaum throws a flaming object at Kyle Rittenhouse. And again, none of that 
brought up by the uh, Charlotte News and Observer. Uh, I imagine this will come up in court. But again, they want to portray this as some sort of cold-blooded killing that Donald Trump is defending rather than what it is, which is a case where prosecutors have charged Rittenhouse and Rittenhouse is claiming self-defense. I have a feeling that the Charlotte News and Observer might give a little more sympathy and credence uh, to uh, Rittenhouse if he were not a Trump supporter. The uh, News and Observer goes on to quote uh, Shannon Klug, who's a uh, volunteer with Moms Demand Action in Charlotte, also a retired Air Force colonel and a gun owner. And she wishes more civilians would treat firearms as seriously as the military does. She says, quote, it's not a far jump to understand why people feel the need to protect themselves with a gun, but you really have to know what you're doing with it. So interestingly, um, even, even, even the gun control advocate that they quote kind of uh, undermines the news and observers point, which is, you know, their, their claim is that, well, Donald Trump is causing all of this. Here's a mom's man action volunteer saying, you know, listen, it's not a uh, stretch to think that people would want a gun to protect themselves. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, the News and Observer uh, concludes by saying uh, Americans shouldn't be afraid of Trump's boogeymen. They should be afraid of so many guns. Outbreaks of vandalism amid city protests is a far less serious threat than the daily toll of gunfire and the terrible scourge of mass shootings. So again, they ignore the deaths that have come uh, at the hands of some of these protesters. David Dorn murdered in St. Louis. The individuals who were found, whose bodies were found uh, in the uh, burned-out buildings in Minneapolis. Nobody's really talking about that anymore because it's been three months. The uh, shootings at the CHOP slash CHAZ in Seattle, Washington. Uh, again, the News and Observer wants you to believe that, hey, listen, even if there is a crowd of 100, 200 people and they're walking down your street and they're yelling and screaming and maybe they're starting fires, no big deal. The last thing that you should do would be to go out and get a gun to be able to protect yourself and your family. Uh, they continue and conclude by saying, instead of abandoning his responsibility to ensure domestic tranquility, Trump should be emulating the president who lifted the nation out of the Great Depression. Okay. So again, I that 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 line bugs me too. It displays a huge amount of historical ignorance. Uh, World War II lifted this country out of the Great Depression, not Franklin Roosevelt all by himself. When Roosevelt took office in 1932, actually a number of members of his administration believed that uh, it might not be a bad thing to prolong the uh, economic misery because. When there's a crisis, this is this is pre-Rahm Emanuel, by the way, by decades. But the idea was that when when there is chaos and when people are concerned, when there's economic misery, it's easier to make these fundamental transformations, like the New Deal was at the time. Uh, and even by 1937, things had you know maybe started to pick up a little bit. Then you had another recession. Anyway, again, not going to get into the economic history of the United States, but I will say that uh, this. Um, Op-ed here by the News and Observer displays a great deal of historical ignorance as well as a gaslighting about current events. Uh, as they say, Franklin Roosevelt said the nation should reject nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Okay. I would have, I mean, I, I probably just would have gone with, you know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. But now they, they went with a clunkier 
Roosevelt quote there. Uh, keep in mind as well that the News and Observer blaming, again, all the, not just the rise in gun sales on Donald Trump, but apparently blaming the increase in violence on Donald Trump. They never actually say what the answer is. They never say, well, you know, we got to, the answer apparently is just elect Joe Biden. And then everything will be magically better. They don't talk about what Biden should do differently than Donald Trump. They don't uh, talk about uh, how the editorial board thinks that uh, the, the best way to uh, lower the violent crime rate that's soaring in American cities, how that should occur. Nope. It is just a blame Trump editorial. And I have to say, again, I think blaming Donald Trump uh, for the rise in gun sales gets it backwards. Donald Trump is not responsible for the rise in gun sales. Donald Trump, excuse me, Donald Trump is actually uh, trying to uh, and asking mayors every day, it seems. Can we send the federal authorities there to uh, help you out? He's doing what he can to uh, try to stop the rise in violence. And the uh, increase in gun sales that began back in March during the uh, pandemic shutdowns and have continued ever since, nah, they're not happening because Donald Trump is peddling fear. They're happening because Americans can use their own eyes. Now, there's an, uh, uh, not specifically a counterpoint to this loopy op-ed, but there is another uh, op-ed that I want to point out. This is at USA Today. Uh, why Americans are buying more guns than ever. And the uh, authors of this piece, Amy Huff is an assistant professor of marketing at Oregon State University. Michelle Barnhart is an associate professor of marketing at Oregon State University. Uh, Oregon State, you might think, all right, here we go again. It's going to be another goofy. Uh, no, it's, it's not bad. I mean, they point to several factors that they say are, are leading to this increase in firearm sales. None of them, by the way, include uh, Donald Trump's fear-mongering. So they say, first, there's the idea of independence and security. They presented a study, they say, back in 2019, showing that Americans feel that buying a gun is a way to assert and maintain their independence. Independence is threatened during the pandemic when a concern for public health may curtail some individual freedoms, including the freedom to travel, operate some businesses, assemble in large groups, or visit the elderly. Gun ownership can be motivated by the belief that having guns helps to ensure freedom to do and live as one chooses, particularly for individuals concerned with protection and self-defense. All right. That, that makes some sense, doesn't it? It makes more sense than Donald Trump's peddling fear and people are buying guns. Their second factor, they say, market signals and forces. Governors, they say, chose to include gun retailers as essential businesses, allowing them to remain open during many statewide closures in March and April. Uh, and that was sort of a market signal to people that, hey, guns are essential. Um. I'm less inclined to to buy that as a, a reason for the surge in gun sales because we actually saw the surge in gun sales start really in the days before the very first lockdown orders came down. That you were already seeing this in, in late uh, February and early March. And then the lockdown orders started coming down, you know, mid-March or so. And even in states like New York, and New Jersey, and even Pennsylvania, where, where the governors there originally said, uh, gun stores aren't essential. No, they're, they're going to be closed. 
there were still thousands of individuals who were out there trying to purchase a firearm legally and lawfully, unable to do so in some cases until uh, in New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy acquiesced and said, oh, fine, we'll open them up because the federal government says that they're essential. Uh, Cuomo never did do that. Uh, his bizarre stay-at-home orders allowed for like single employee stores to open up, but uh, uh, not actual firearm retailers. They, they had to wait a while. Uh, but again, in states that, that had gun stores that were open and states where gun stores were closed, the demand seems to me was still largely the same. And their third uh, reason, they say, why gun sales have increased uh, since March, social connection and recreation. They say firearms can provide a tangible basis for social connection. Social bonding through consumption is a well-established phenomenon in consumer research. Retailers facilitate this by serving as a social hub and providing expertise on specific products. Visiting a firearms retailer and buying a gun can also enable consumers to feel socially connected to like-minded others. According to their research, the uh, professors say that going to shooting ranges and hunting are lower-risk activities in terms of accidental shootings. We speculate that because these activities can be done outdoors while wearing masks and with distance between people, they may also involve lower risk for COVID-19 transmissions. I think that's a much more practical and pragmatic look at, at why gun sales are rising compared, again, to the uh, goofy headline from the uh, Charlotte News and Observer, the fake fear of Donald Trump having a real effect on North Carolina gun sales. That's just, I got to tell you, that's just lazy on the part of the News and Observer editorial board. They have no facts to back up their case. Uh, they don't even attempt to offer any evidence for their assertion. And again, uh, their claims are pretty easily refuted, even by a schmuck like me. So uh, I guess if I'm offering any advice, not that they're going to take it to the News Observer editorial board, it would be um, fire whoever wrote this and uh, maybe, you know, see if these professors from Oregon would like a uh, maybe a rotating spot on the editorial board in the future. All right, now let's get to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day. And our uh, recidivist report, I, I don't actually know if this is a, a technical recidivist report, but it sure is. Maybe we should just start calling the uh, this segment the slap on the wrist here. Uh, story from Kerrville, Texas, the Lone Star State. Love triangle almost turns deadly. Yeah, man sentenced to probation and, quote, some jail time for shooting at a romantic rival's home. Uh, so, according to the uh, Daily Times in Kerrville, Texas, uh, this individual, Joshua Leslie Cade, received 10 years probation and 30 days in jail for firing a pistol at his rival's, his romantic rival's home in uh, eastern Kerrville last year after reportedly being taunted by the man via text messages and after finding the man in bed with the woman who had been dating both of them at the same time. Look, as... Um, as frustrating as that might have been, as, as frustrating as that must have been, it still doesn't justify trying to uh, kill a man. There was a plea agreement uh, negotiated between the uh, local DA there and the uh, defense attorney. Uh, Cade, sentenced on August 27th, ordered to pay a fine of $10,000, restitution of $9,764.89, 600 hours of community service, and then uh, 30 days in the uh, county jail after being uh, convicted or pleading guilty to three separate felonies, uh, two counts of deadly conduct by firearm discharge, as well as one count of evidence tampering. Um, Cade's arrest followed an investigation by the uh, Kerrville Police Department that began in January of 2019. 
According to a police affidavit, officers spoke to several witnesses who reported hearing two strings of gunfire about 10 minutes apart. Uh, They also described a white Ford pickup bearing some kind of business logo leaving the area after the gunshots. Witnesses described about five gunshots with each pass of the vehicle. Uh, They recalled hearing similar sounds of gunfire about uh, two to three weeks earlier. On the street in front of a uh, home, police found spent casings from a 40 caliber pistol, saw bullet holes in the resident's wood fence. Uh, the homeowner wasn't home at the time. Officers interviewed him, got a look inside the home, where they found a bullet had gone through the instrument panel of a dryer and had come to rest on the interior wall of the opposite side of the uh, residence. Victim initially was reluctant to uh, talk to police to, uh, about this and then finally said, okay, all right, so there's this guy who about a month ago found me in bed with a woman at her house. Words were exchanged. He took off. I stayed with her. Victim indicated that he didn't stick around because he didn't want to. Or excuse me. He took off. The victim took off. Cade stuck around. Victim said he didn't stick around because he didn't want to get in trouble with the probation office. He has a felony aggravated assault charge in Kirk County. Seeming from accusations that he threatened a man with a baseball bat in April. He was put on probation in 2015 for threatening a curveball firefighter with a knife as the uh, firefighter was in uniform. So both the victim and the suspect in this case, uh, again, fairly well known to authorities. Victim uh, uh, told officers that he didn't know that the woman had been dating both men at once. Since then, he said he had exchanged text messages with Cade, some of which he said were out of line, occasionally even of a threatening nature. Sometimes he said he would taunt Cade. And uh, recently sent her a Facebook message, sent the woman a Facebook message saying, hey, you know, I'd kind of like to see you again. Uh, Cade denied all of the accusations, denied even owning a uh, handgun. Uh, but when officers searched Cade's truck with his permission, they found a, a 40 caliber shell casing in the uh, side front door pocket. Uh, they asked Cade again, look, man, did anybody fire a shot from your truck? No, no, never happened, never happened. Then they found several more casings in the uh, truck. Officer said, okay, well, I'm going to ask him again, more. And uh, that time, Cade, quote, could not provide an explanation as to their origin. He eventually pleaded guilty to felony evidence tampering, having hidden magnetic signs or a firearm or shell casings from the police. Signs were on the truck at the time of the drive-by shooting, reportedly removed them to avoid being caught. Uh, glad nobody was hurt. You know, this is not something where maybe somebody needs to spend the rest of their life behind bars, but... A little bit more than 30 days, I would think, for uh, three felony convictions there in Kerrville, Texas. And that is today's uh, recidivist report or maybe the uh, slap on the wrist situation. Maybe that's what we'll start calling it. Our uh, armed citizen story today. I got to tell you, I I, I thought long and hard about this because this story doesn't have a happy ending. But I'm sharing it because sometimes these stories don't have happy endings. Lafayette, Louisiana. Pizza delivery man killed a robber before being killed by the robber's accomplice there in uh, Lafayette. This is from the uh, Journal and Courier Online. And this went down uh, late Monday night. Joshua Ungerzma was trying to deliver pizza when he was uh, robbed at gunpoint by 19-year-old Alberto Van Meter. And uh, Joshua Ungerzma pulled out his own firearm and uh, shot and killed Van Meter in self-defense. Patrick Gibson uh, lives there in the area. He heard four shots outside of his home about 11.15 Monday. When he went outside, he saw a man laying dead on the sidewalk near a fence and a pizza delivery man telling him that they tried to rob him. Gibson said, I was talking to the pizza guy when I came out. I was like, bro, you all right? And uh, he said they were trying to rob me. Uh, Gibson said, from from what he told me, uh, they asked, uh, he asked, 
Gibson and his roommate to call the police. They did. And while Gibson's roommate is on the phone with authorities, he said he watched as a 17-year-old girl walked across the street and then shot Ungersma at point-blank range. Police arrested the girl at the scene. Journalist Courier not publishing her name until charges are filed uh, against her as an adult. She, according to jail records, lives a block from the shooting scene, uh, being held in the Tippecanoe County Jail on a suspicion of murder and robbery. Uh, William Young uh, uh, lives in the area as well. Shooting actually happened right in front of his pickup truck. He said, I heard the shots, but I didn't see anything. Uh, he said, there was a car out in front of my truck. There's a bullet in the hood of my truck. But uh, again, was not able to provide any uh, eyewitness accounts. Um, according to a news release from the Lafayette police, uh, they say the case remains under investigation. Not uh, a lot of details here. But again, this was a, a shooting in self-defense on the part of that delivery driver. And then I don't know if, you know, again, you, maybe you don't suspect that somebody else is going to come around a couple of minutes later because it, it was not immediate. It wasn't that this delivery driver fired in self-defense and then immediately an accomplice from, you know, over there takes another shot at him. It, enough time had, had passed that the delivery driver in Gersma had a conversation with one of the guys who came out, said, will you call the police? Yep. Guy's roommate had actually gone back inside and was on the phone with the police when the 17-year-old walked up. Situational awareness, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a necessity, unfortunately, and you should not let down your guard uh, even after you think that the threat uh, is over because the threat may not be over. Again, I, I, I really wish that this story had a happier ending. Uh, we cover stories of uh, delivery drivers who are forced to protect themselves on a pretty regular basis here. This is the first time that I've ever run across a story like this where minutes after a delivery driver was able to uh, act in self-defense, he was shot and killed by the accomplice. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Joshua Ungersma, and I certainly hope that justice will be served in this case. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Durham, North Carolina, where a, a police officer in Durham saved a baby from drowning in her own home. Happened a Sunday afternoon. According to police, Officer E.L. Gomez was the uh, first on the scene. Baby wasn't breathing, did not have a pulse. Authorities say apparently the uh, incident began in a shower or a bathroom in the family home. Uh, Officer Gomez jumped into action, began performing infant CPR on the child until he was breathing on his own. Paramedics then arrived on scene, took the baby to the hospital. According to uh, Corporal uh, C.J. Wisniewski, Officer Gomez able to deliver high-quality CPR upon observing the child's condition. Officer Gomez was alone and surrounded by hysterical family members, but was able to keep her cool and able to communicate the situation over uh, the officer's communication channel. Officer Gomez says that uh, she was just doing her job and that she was happy to help the child. The uh, baby is still in the hospital at last report, but uh, is recovering. So in the right place at the right time, Officer E.L. Gomez there in Durham, North Carolina, we thank you for your very, very good deed. And that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. We'll be back tomorrow. We are going to take Labor Day off, though, but uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all around the nation, including Joe Biden's trip to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Said he wasn't going to go, but then Donald Trump went, and apparently now things have changed. 
Yeah, we'll get you caught up on that and more. In the meantime, don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you never miss a program. Also, you can subscribe to Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to get your podcast. You will find us there. And we certainly do appreciate your support. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free. And we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. 